Hello and welcome to Rolling for Loot. I'm your host Shakti. And I'm your other host, Himatep, and this is episode 17. And we've been away, but we're back. Sorry for the short (laughs) and intermittent hiatus. (laughs) It's been a long month. It's been a busy, wet month for us. Yes. And uh, we've had some unexpected technical difficulties, sopping wet headphones and such. <laughs> and Himatep's computer was underwater. And, and that kind of delays my, things my a bit. my computer trying to learn how to scuba dive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, there it is. But uh, we, we think we have most of the issues that we had come across. Most of them are... are, are you know, resolved. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. We're also trying lo- something a little bit different on the back end recording side. So hopefully it's a little bit clearer for you guys as well. So yes. So uh, having said that feedback, guys, give us some feedback. If you're, yep. if you're listening to this and the audio is not clear, or if, if Shakti is louder than me, or if I'm louder than Shakti or anything at all, any tips that you guys can give us, we would love to hear from you, and we'll give you that information. As Aside from telling do, us to shut up entirely. End. Yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah. People have been telling me that for 40 yeah. years. It's not. We're not going to listen now. either. So, and during this podcast, <laughs> I'm going to gush about my new headset. I have a Logitech gaming headset G330. Anybody have one of these? I'm loving this headset. It's a fantastic. So I'm probably going to be. Uh, I that's my plug for it. And <laughs> probably I'm a discontinued it, item. So. Probably discontinued. Right. But you know what? I couldn't. I couldn't pass up. Uh, pass it up for the price. So yeah, it's pretty good deal. Uh, so uh, we're we're back. We're hoping to be back on a regular basis now. I don't know that we're going to be back every week, but we're going to try and go uh, with something every other week. And Shakti has some other projects on the go that she's going to start. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think we're going to probably for the, a little bit anyways, cross link that onto the rolling for loot page. And I'm looking at getting in some, uh, extra stuff, including possibly drum roll, please. Uh, web log or a web cast or whatever they call that. I don't know. We video. get to see you on the YouTube. You get to see me on YouTube. How awesome is that going to be? Okay. Oh, I'm excited. I know, right? Everyone <laughs> sh- should see your smiling face. I know. It's great. You know, everybody yeah. Everybody should be so lucky. Yeah. And shortly, they will be. Oh, good. Today, we're going to be talking about, uh, <laughs> we're going to be doing a review of a PC-based game called Sleeping Dogs. I love this game. Uh, we're also going to do a review of a PC-based game called Neverwinter. And anyone who may f- be familiar with the term Neverwinter Nights, this is a MMO spinoff. First person MMO. Is it first person? Mm-hmm. First person spinoff of well, Neverwinter well, Nights. Well, first person means what? You can see your character? No, first person is where you have that two hands in front of you and no. a sword. You can see your character on this one, so it's third okay, person, Okay, so it's third right? person. So you're, you're top-down, third person, sort yeah. of a World of yeah. Warcraft uh, rift kind of a idea. Sorry about that. That was my phone going off. I'm going to put that on silent. Oh, we didn't even hear it. I didn't even oh, hear it. I heard it. Oh, Loud yeah, there clear. you go. Whoops. Whoops. Hey, speaking of phones going off, did you... Oh, third topic. We'll, do, <laughs> we'll mention our third topic before I start... Going off on the left side here. And on our third topic, we're going to be probably the last people on the internet to get to this topic. We're going to talk about the Oculus Rift. And yeah. oh, baby, I'm cool. excited about this thing. I am very excited. And the Oculus Rift is actually the phone going off. I was watching on uh, YouTube. I like to watch, and anybody else who likes to watch, give it a thumbs up. I like to watch Tested uh, uh, on the YouTube. Now, it's got a longer name than that. It's not just tested it's like I think it's just tested Jamie and Adams 
tested or something well, like that. Well, because it's not all just Jamie and Adam, right? No, no, they're, they're just, it's just sort of their name attached to it. It's the yeah. Mythbusters crew, and there's two other fellows that, that are actually doing it. Uh, at any rate, no, I was watching, um, uh, listening to that, and then from a link on that one, they were, uh, they were doing the Oculus Rift review of some of the games. We don't actually have an Oculus Rift, listeners, but... Believe me, the minute I get a chance to remedy that situation, oh yes, I will be remedying that situation. Uh, anyways, they were doing an interview with um, uh, Adam Savage on Tested, or uh, because of Tested, anyways. And at the start, he was playing with his phone after they had done the roll in an intro. <laughs> they were talking, and then there's a pause, and he goes, And I'm Adam, and I'm playing with my phone. I'm going to turn that off. So, anyways, I Good. Just, so, we, at least the professionals are I doing did, it yeah, too. Yeah, everybody's, so. it's everybody, it's one of those things where your phone is so integral to the way your whole day is done nowadays. It's, <laughs> it's crazy that that's, that that's the way it is. So, yeah. Um, so, busy month we've had a lot going on since uh, our last podcast do we even have a date on our last podcast what was the date of our last podcast I don't know. it's it was been a mo- three it was about four a weeks ago. about a month ago right yeah something like that but we've been busy gaming obviously you've been playing pretty much the entire sleeping dogs game i played the heck out of it. that game yeah <laughs> it's not a new game either when did it come out like it's been out for a year or two now uh no it's, it hasn't been out quite that long oh, really? um it's been What's that? Are you sure? It hasn't. It it, it hasn't been. Um, let me see. I think it's been. Let me. This is uh, frantically I, looking uh, at it. 2012. It it came yeah. out in 2012. I'm just trying to figure out when. I think it was early. 2012. I'm not seeing a. Yeah, I'm looking it up for a date. <laughs> uh, it was originally announced in 2009, but it it came out. It looks like early. Yeah early 2012 perhaps but you've been playing it and it's a good game anyways i i recently bought it i bought it through steam one of my favorite uh pc based platforms for game delivery since they had their summer sale because they had summer sale and uh i can't pass up a good deal and i certainly and this one was on my wish list so i mean the minute i saw a trailer for this game i'm a big fan of gta i think we may have mentioned that once or twice as he's waiting anxiously for <laughs> September five to come arrive. on get here and then now it looks like i might not even be available to play the game in september when it comes out more to follow uh oh. anyway so this one came out i f- i got this i got a an email notification that said you have exactly one hour to purchase this game at half price and uh and I was like, oh, no, I can't. I'm at work. I can't get home. And I got home, and they lowered the price again. So it was 75% off when I bought it. <laughs> so uh, I was very excited to get started on this game. I had played the demo, uh, which was just enough to whet the appetite and make you go, OMG, I need to play more. Uh, the trailers, the game trailers were all excellent. So I was very excited to play the game. Um Right off the bat, I want to just get it right out in the open. I loved the game. I loved it. It's shortfalls and it's the, the the all of it, every aspect of it. Could it have been improved in some areas? Yeah, I imagine there were some areas that it could easily have been improved in. But as uh, as it goes, if I were to rate it on a scale of one to ten, I would definitely give this a solid uh, a solid eight, maybe even a nine. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I played it, so I've had a little bit of time to sort of reflect on, you know, you get over that that buzz of, oh, I finished the game, and what a great game, it's fantastic, and now after that, that buzz dies off, and you start going, yeah, you know, I would have enjoyed it more if. 
So first, the good things. The graphics on this game were excellent. It was a really well done game. The lighting was really great. Um, the, the audio, the sound was good like the background sound the ambient sound when you were in a large crowded market you felt like you were in a large crowded market which uh, a lot of games missed the mark on that the sounds in the vehicles i thought was a little uh, i don't want to say shoddy because it was very good quality but i just didn't think it was as accurate as it could have been so you know that's a bit of an issue but anybody who's talked about this i've sat around the table talked about that audio is one of my least uh, critical elements in a game um, because I don't I, I mean I think I'm tone deaf so I, I wouldn't know good audio from bad audio you know um, there were uh, there was a really steep learning curve uh, the initial learning curve to learn the basics of the game it's pretty much the same as any other uh, AWSD game I mean you know you, you move to go left go right use your mouse to interface and things like that the game paces you well so it gives you new information it's open enough that you don't you're not uh, trapped on oh I can't do anything else until I unlock um, like San Andreas was a, a good example of that you can't even progress to do free roaming stuff until you do the first seven or eight missions this um, didn't really have that and the missions were challenging for the most part uh without being um you know without needing a, a you know a third hand to get these things done there was always a trick every mission had a, a a trick there was something you had to find the right sequence of cover to get through the the crossfire or you had to find the the you know go left instead of right the the, the little pattern and stuff like that uh as for replay replayability I haven't, I haven't started it again. I'm going to give it another couple of weeks, and then I'll start another character, and, or I'll start another game, and then I'll see. But um, there was a lot of mini-games in this game that were a lot of fun. There was a karaoke system. You could go in one of the clubs and do karaoke, and do this as often as you like, um, <laughs> which uh, i got to tell you, it was fun. Uh, it's, How do you do karaoke in a game exactly? Well me i didn't get to karaoke uh it's a keyboard command you're using the uh your up and down keys uh right. which are dns and then shift up and down so there it, it was much like a guitar hero um kind of a feed so there's bars coming across and you have to get your little controller to go on to line middle, which is not touching anything, up one line, down one line, up two lines, down two lines, to correspond with where okay. it's going. And the more complicated the song, uh, the, the more quickly it changes and the more, uh, you know, up and down it goes from five to one to five to one. And that That's sort of crazy. Thing. So, um, so it's, you know, it, again, it's a pattern memorization. And if you play the game uh, often enough and you overplay it over and over and over and over you could theoretically hit 100% on all the games and 100% on and I'm sure like pretty much every other game that's been out in the last few years it has things that can be unlocked for doing that exact thing uh, is that a bad thing no I, I it's just not that's not the, the kind of stuff that I look for <laughs> when I go looking for uh, games um, excuse me there are a total of 59 uh, steam achievements that can be unlocked and I've locked 21 of the 59, so that um, that's there. That sort of puts it in perspective, I guess. Um, anyways, um, the driving, the uh, handling the vehicles was uh, one of the parts that I felt was a little awkward. Um, it just it, it, 
the cars went from very very slow and sluggish to very fast and uh, hypersensitive, and there was very little middle ground. Uh, it was difficult to maintain a, a speed, so you're pretty much ripping down the street at top speed, and um, and crashing into things. I, I was constantly crashing into things. The other one uh, in vehicle um, uh, control was motorcycles, and I got to tell you, I did not enjoy riding motorcycles. I enjoy riding motorcycles in other games, for example, the Grand Theft Auto sequence, uh, Vice City, GTA 4, GTA um, San Andreas. I enjoyed the, the motorcycles. Um, on this game, I, I did not. Now, I don't know if that was something that they built into the game to sort of make you not want to rip through the city on a motorcycle because in a large crowded urban area it's much easier to get away from the guys that are chasing you if you're on a motorcycle uh, but this game wants you to be in a vehicle and I think that that may have been part of the design I think it may have been sort of uh, set out from the beginning uh, there was a, a fairly good story a fairly well-developed story from start from where you pick it up in the game until the end there was a couple of parts where they kind of went a little quick and you get a little lost um, in reference to the story development I felt that the initial part of the game there were too many characters introduced too quickly uh, the basic premise of the game you are an undercover uh, police officer who is actually from Hong Kong who, who, when you were young, you moved to um, uh, San Francisco in the United States, in California, if anybody doesn't know where San, San Francisco is. And, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes I say these things and I, and I don't know what we I'm talking about. We don't own maps. We, 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 yeah. We don't own maps or, or no. intrawebs. Right. Anyways, uh, so you, you grew up in San Francisco. You were part of the San Francisco Police Department, and your sister died, and you decided that you wanted to go home. So you went back to Hong Kong, and now you're working for the Hong Kong Police Department, and you're going undercover to try and infiltrate the triads, a particular triad, uh, the Sun on Yi. And uh, so your, your role now is to balance yourself between getting in with the triads and remembering that you're still a police officer. Which, and learning to drive on the opposite side of the road. And that was a hard thing for me to get. <laughs> OMG. I constantly running around to the wrong side of the car to jump in and have to jump in and then slide across to the other side of the car. So <laughs> that was, wow. That was, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That was, yeah, uh, well, that you was know. you. Uh, anyways, yeah. So that was, uh, that was part of it. But, the missions are divided, uh, the rewards in the missions are divided, uh, obviously money, money's a big deal, and uh, you can you can spend your money on uh, such frivolous things as, you know, shades, different types of t-shirts, boots, <laughs> uh, pants, jackets, designer clothes, whatever you like. There is an option to buy vehicles in the game, but they're exorbitantly priced, even for black market stuff. Why would I pay 160,000 Hong Kong dollars for a vehicle that I can go down to the to the central portion of Hong Kong and just steal one? I I, I just you know I didn't see the advantage to that. Um, I did purchase a few in game because I thought that maybe they would then be available at my garage. One of the things that this game does that other games of this style have not done in the past. Uh, again, San Andreas GTA. Um, 
if I have a vehicle that I have taken and it's now my vehicle, regardless of how I may or may not have acquired said vehicle, uh, if I store it in a garage somewhere, I get to keep that vehicle. But if I want that vehicle, I have to return to that specific garage in order to get that vehicle. In this game, uh, even right at, at the start of the game, you are provided with two vehicles, a motorcycle, which goes entirely too fast, and a tiny little car, which is a lot of fun to drive. And uh, you can go to numerous locations throughout the map that will access your vehicle. And it's their parking garages. So you go to the parking garage, they put you in your car, and away you go. And even if you crash that car subsequently, you can, when you revive yourself at the hospital, you can uh, go back to another parking garage and get one of your two vehicles back. Uh, and later in the game, as you advance, you unlock the option to have a underling bring you one of your vehicles so from your garage of vehicles uh, you get to set which one you want to be your auto vehicle so you can always have, it's always the same one uh, your interface with your phone you dial in through your phone to your minion who brings you your vehicle it's a very cool feature uh, I, I was really pretty uh, pretty surprised to have that feature unlock it was pretty cool um, awesome uh, so doing your missions you do triad missions you do police missions and then you do a third type of mission which is really I, I i would like to use the term neutral because it's neither triad nor police but most of them tend to be reinforcing your triad side but they're called face and that's the third thing that you're trying to accumulate um face is a representation of your standing in the community and and uh, sort of a numerical value of your personal honor and personal integrity and, and how others perceive you. So doing things for your community, you know, helping the lady down the street to beat off the thugs and, uh, you know, and, and uh, bringing lunch to the shop lady who owns the noodle house across the street and all these kinds of things. And, um, and then a lot of them were, you know, I, I don't have the insurance to pay for this. Can you dump my car in the lake? And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, typical... Uh, gangster kind of stuff triad kind of stuff so i, I say typical because i know so much about the real triads no i i really don't uh anyways everything i know about triads i learned from discovery channel uh and sleeping dogs <laughs> and sleeping so. dogs apparently yeah. uh, <laughs> so um so the the missions are are like all, all a lot of the games that are in this there's the missions that advance the storyline and you cannot advance the storyline until you beat the mission so it's linear in that respect but uh, if you get too frustrated to carry on with the mission, uh, you fail the mission, you get the option to restart the mission from the previous checkpoint. It doesn't really tell you where the checkpoints are, so you may or may not uh, figure it out. On some missions, it's fairly easy to see where the checkpoint is. On other missions, particularly ones that are staged, you get this far and then you carry on from there. It's uh, not always easy to see where the checkpoints are, but I tell you, some of these missions were just brutal to get through. Uh, but you just plug away 25, 30, 40, 50 times, and then eventually you'll either succeed or you'll go cross-eyed. the game entirely. And yeah, you'll, you know, sometimes you got to walk away and come back. So it's nice that you can uh, you can cancel the mission, or, or when it comes up, it says, you know, return to checkpoint or abort the mission. You can choose to abort the mission. And then uh, you get to go back into the game world, and you can come back around to that mission start point and restart that mission again another time. But you could take some side missions, and you could work on other abilities and try and bring your capabilities up. Uh, the combat in this game, there's not a lot of weapons play in this game, which is contrary to 
a lot of the other games that are like this, particularly, like I say, the, the, the primary game that I've played that is similar to this is GTA. So that's really the only uh, measuring stick that I have to use. GTA, if you don't have a weapon, you really can't beat the game. In this game, if you have a weapon, it's a liability in most places. In most parts of this game, it's a liability. The combat system uh, is an excellent idea, but it's really tricky to master. And I didn't really start to get the hang of it until I was probably 65% through the game. So I was, <laughs> mm, I would like to say it was button mashing, but it's all mouse controlled. So um, basically, it's through a series of um, rapid clicks and holding the button. And also through uh, uh, intermittent use of the space bar and the uh, action key, which is the letter F. So you would hit the action key, uh, correction, letter F, and uh, left mouse, left mouse, left mouse, and hold it. And that would do one type of move. And then left mouse, left mouse, left mouse, left mouse, and hold it. And that's another type of move. And space bar, F, left mouse, left mouse, hold it is another type of move. And it does teach you these things as you progress through the game. It does show you these things so you can look at them and, and remember them and see them and how they're supposed to work, but actually getting it to happen for you in the midst of a battle, particularly when you've been caught off guard, wow, very challenging. So um, some of the mini-bosses and some of the uh, stage bosses that you fight are really difficult to kill until you really get a handle on that fighting. So a uh, little bit of advice if you play the game, spend some time practicing your fighting, your brawling. There's fight clubs throughout the different uh, zones of the city, and that's uh, things you can, uh, um, I don't want to say accomplish, but you can go in and, and you fight them and it's six waves of increasingly uh, difficult and, and more uh, um, enemies and you, you mm -hmm. fight them and if you don't beat them all, then you don't pass and you got to go out and come back in and start again. Um, there is, uh, like the GTA series, there is a hunger bar, a fatigue bar, sorry, which you get to track, but there's a face meter, and when your face meter fills up, you'll regenerate, and you'll get bonus moves, and you do bonus damage, so you want to do creative moves, and that's where this game really shines, because this game is really about taking Hong Kong cinema and making it a game. So you have an interactive environment. So whenever you grab an opponent, and that's just a simple action key, the letter F, you grab your opponent, uh, the parts of the environment that you're fighting in will become a, a sort of an outlined in a red wireframe color so they just look like they're they're there you go over to that item you hit F again and then you will defeat your opponent using that item so for example if there's a wall fan you're gonna jam his head into the wall fan if there's a refrigerator you're gonna open the door in the refrigerator slam his head with the refrigerator door uh, if there's a meat hook hanging from the ceiling you're gonna pick him up and hang him on a meat hook oh, uh, oh I'm telling you it's fantastic <laughs> um, you have the option to fling people around and you can uh, counter uh, counter attacks and uh, so you'll get a little blip um, it's like the dragon's lair kind of a thing. You'll be fighting one guy, and then the guy on your right or left or behind you will flash red. And if you hit your F key in time, you'll counter his attack and hit him and knock him down. And again, as you progress, your attacks do more damage. As you unlock, there's um, health shrines that you'll find. Uh, every five health shrines that you find in the game increases your overall health. Uh, and I believe there are 50 total or 60 total that you can find varying by each of the regions in the map. Um, it's a, like I said, it's a really 
a big game. The whole city's unlocked right out of the gate, so you can start jumping in your car and drive around the whole city and look for these things and unlock them and go. Um, I didn't do that. I jumped right in and I started playing the game right away and trying to get a handle on it. And uh, you know, I I really enjoyed uh, uh, playing it. Now there is a expansion pack that came out in March called A Year of the Snake. Uh, which adds six more missions which take place after the main story of the game and allows you to return to the Hong Kong Police Department as a police officer. Now, I haven't played those because they are a DLC pack that I... I, I, uh, I don't know if it's a DLC pack or if it's an actual... Uh, like an actual expansion that you can purchase, but I do know that it's available. And um, I haven't I haven't played it. I'd like to, but we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um so overall, like I said, it's a solid eight, eight and a half, maybe even a nine out of ten. Um, it's a bit of a trick to learn to get the controls. They're not quite the same as other games of this type because of the emphasis on making it very uh, movie type. There's, you know, um, the, you don't have the same sort of free range camera. You don't have the ability to pause it. You don't have the, I mean, you can pause the game, but you can't pause it and move your camera around and look at where you're at and when you pause it takes you out of the game into a into a another menu Mm -hmm. uh you can save the game whenever you like but uh as far as i can tell when you pull the game up to a load your saved game it will not save you right where you were standing it won't correction load you right where you were standing when you saved the game because i never once loaded a game where i wasn't back at one of the safe houses so i'm not I haven't really played it enough to see that yet. Uh, it didn't really come up as big a... wasn't really as big an issue as that. I just got into the habit very quickly of logging out while I was already in my uh, sleeping quarters. Do you see that there's a lot of uh, save points in the game, or is it just whenever you get to your safe house? You could hit the save. You can save any time. Yeah. Uh, what I was finding, however, was I would save before I would start a mission. And then I would start the mission and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail mm-hmm. and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. And, fail. and then I'd say, you know what, cancel this. I'm not even going to try this mission. I'd cancel out of that. And then I'd say, you know what, it's whatever. It's awfully late at night. I'm going to call it a night here. And I mm-hmm. would lo- quit and leave the game right there. Now, when I left the game, I'm standing on a street corner. Yeah. Which is where I was standing when I saved the game. Now, when I load the game up the next time I play and I go to load game instead of continue game, because continue game automatically plays it from the autosave, when I go to load game, I pick the, the file that I want, load it up, and I'm still back at my house, at whichever the closest house is to where I was when I logged out. Right. Uh, so I don't know if that's just um, if that's just because of the where or the, 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 the way that I was doing it or if that's uh, something that was just sort of built into the game or the way that the game stores data i really don't know um like i said it got to the point where within the first five or six hours of playing the game i just stopped saving on the side of the road and would just if i want to save the game i'm going to start the game where i'm going to start it regardless why not save it in the same place that way i always know where i'm at when i start the game and i know where i'm going to be when i start the game cool 
So, so overall, what do you think? It's it's worth one, everyone should play. Everybody, or? well, anybody who likes this style of game. Obviously, if yep. you're not a fan of this style of game, uh, it's not first person. It's third person. You're top-down view over top of your avatar. There's no character customization in this game. There's no option to play, you know, Bill instead of, uh, you know, um, the the main character's name is Wei Shin. So uh, instead of playing Wei Shin, you can't play Bill or Mark or Paul or whatever. Ringo you're or playing John. him. That's right, Ringo yeah. or John or Carla. Yeah. You're you're playing him. Uh, and... Um, like I said, the the it can be very frustrating. And if you're not a, uh, if you're not a um, stealing cars and shooting bad guys and mission based player, this is going to be a very challenging game. But uh, having said that, I really think it's worth it. It's visually so much fun. You're 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 there's uh, one of the early missions. You're chasing a guy through a fish market in Chinatown. In Hong Kong, so it's mm-hmm. so it's so cliche. It's exactly what you'd expect, and yet it's not treated as a cliche. It's treated like a real place. You know, you're you're running through, and you are given an option if you hit the space bar. Where in a normal game, you just jump. If you hit the space bar at the right time in this game, he will slide over top Duke style over top of the <laughs> the counter, or he'll slide over the hood of a car. Um, if you are climbing or, or uh, if you run to a uh, fence and you hit the space bar at the right time, he grabs and leaps over that he doesn't hardly break stride at all. If you do it wrong, he runs into it and he <laughs> fumbles a little bit and uh, nice. and you'll get a little mark that says clumsy and you get a little negative score there. I think that's fantastic. It, you're, so you judged on flair as well. And that's face. That's really what yeah. your face marking is. And so because yeah. everybody's watching you, just you just crashed into a fence. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, and and like I said, once you get the hang of it, it's a lot of fun to go racing yeah. through cities and and chasing people through towns. And um, I haven't done a lot of the the. Once I finish the game, I, I I really haven't gone back into it to do a lot of the side missions or finish any of the missions off. Uh, I just I haven't. It's not something. It's not like I'm opposed to it. I'm really waiting to get the. Uh, the necessary resources together to get the next portion of it because I'd like to do the next portions as well and see how they go and I'd also like to start the mission again and play it a little differently and see if there's a if there's a different feel to it I know that it's fairly linear I know what the outcome is if you're uh, if you're into these kinds of movies and these kinds of games you'll probably figure it out fairly quickly as it's happening you're not really going to get a whole lot of surprises uh, there were a few but I'm not going to say any more than that I was pleasantly surprised story-wise and uh, and game-wise but um, at the end of the day uh, it's a it's a fun game once you get past the frustration of learning to make it work the way you want it to work cool how long did it take you to finish the game in idea uh, I believe that my total play time uh, according to well according to steam my total play time is something like um, 35 or 36 hours uh, but in the game, the game stats that are provided in game, uh, I believe that it was something closer to 29 hours or 28 hours. There was a lot of paused out time that I played on Steam. The game on Steam, when they're tracking your game, if the game is playing, yeah. they're tracking your time, whether running, you're yeah. sitting there or not. Yeah. Uh, what seems to be in game is you have to be actually in the game. So if you want to jack your numbers up why you would want to do that I don't know you could just stand on a street corner and just 
stand And you only finished, what, about 75% of the game due to the side missions and whatnot? Or? I have no way to know that. Uh, oh, okay. What, it was, what I was tracking when I was first looking, because I was very curious to see how deep in the game was I. And so early on, I was trying to keep track. There were... Uh, enough uh, filler between the main missions that it really felt like an enormous big game. So I misjudged how much game content was left when I uh, I said I indicated that I I was I thought I was 30 or 40 percent into the game and I was actually at 70 percent of the main <laughs> game completed. So um, it, it's it's not you're not going to sit down and and uh, on your first go especially you're not going to sit down. On a, on a Friday night at five o'clock and finish this game by midnight, you're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, it's just there's too much. And e even if you skip the cutscenes and you don't listen to why you're doing the missions and you just go bang, 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 there's still eighteen or tw uh, eighteen or twenty hours of gameplay in this to finish this off. And that doesn't count the uh, probably. 30 or 35 hours of side mission and unrelated missions that are available in the game. And even after you finish the game, you can go back and do any of those side missions, like the races and the fight clubs and the finding the artifacts, the, the, the side missions. They're still there. They're still option. And part of the congratulations, you've completed Sleeping Dogs. Uh, now feel free to go back into the game and check out some of the other content. The... Um, cool. The... Um, the reason I just haven't done it is, as we said at the at the top of the show, my computer spent an awful lot of time swimming, so I <laughs> I just I just haven't had the options to go back into it. And yeah. uh, so, anyways, yeah, all all in all, uh, all said and done, it's a great game. I really enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to uh, to um, the next portion of it, which is already like I said, it's already available. Uh, we're a little bit behind, and um, it is downloadable content, but. Uh, there are X packs and DLC packs and everything else. Square Enix, which is the company that's releasing it, uh, has other stuff coming online allegedly. I haven't really seen much else yet, but uh, you can bet that I will be looking for that kind of stuff. Cool. Well, while you were busy doing that, playing that game, I was busy trying out Neverwinter, which I probably feel the same way about Neverwinter as you feel about Sleeping Dogs. It is super cool. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I don't know how long I've been playing it now. I've probably put, I don't know, probably a similar amount of time into it. I'm not very far into it. I'm only level 23, I think. Um, but it's, and I'm feeling very noobish in this because this it, this is another MMORPG. Um, not trying to take on any of the juggernauts. It's just another, it's a free-to-play game. It's there. It's part of the D&D &D universe. Mm -hmm. um, which, of course, if you are familiar with Neverwinter Nights, Baldur's Gate, it's all continuing on those same similar stories, or at least those same areas uh, in the Forbidden Realms. Forgotten so, Realms. Forgotten Realms. Forbidden <laughs> forgotten Realms story. Anyway, so it comes from Cryptic Studios. Um in the perfect world gaming system and those are the same guys that do the that produce the star trek online torchlight 2 blacklight retribution etc all those ones and the benefit for that is if you play any of those games the currency that you purchase from perfect world is transferable between any of those games so um, you purchase zen so you can play with your zen in star trek or in neverwinter it doesn't matter it's all 
all the same. Um, D and D. It's if you enjoy D and D, you're gonna like this game because it's the standard everything. Not everything that you love about D and D. Well, <laughs> could be everything that you love about D and D. It's a social game. Obviously, it's an MMO. So one you of know, the best things I love about D and D is sitting across from other people and throwing dice at them. I was just gonna say that the only thing that's really <laughs> missing is you're not sitting at the table rolling your dice. Um, so you have your standard D and D characters, your elves, your humans, etc. I believe I did see Drow as an option, obviously, because it is Forgotten Realms. Um, mm-hmm. But I wasn't interested in playing it. I just went with ah. being. You, I know, I know, I know. That the you could is, even say that. That you could even but say I that. I have a reason. Okay, Out this is loud. a game oh. that I expected going into it. I expected to like this game. I I have to admit. Because I love the D and D universe, right? It's mm-hmm. it's something I I I love it. So I also know that any character that I play, I will play most like how I really am. I'm not a drow in real life. I don't act like a drow in real life. For the record, I'm not, you're I'm you're not, not a, a blood thespian. Elf either. I can't pretend to be a drow. <laughs> uh, so to to roll a drow at this, but once I get into the game, I get going i may be able to do that in the future but not not for my first character Fair so enough. um that being said it is because it is free to play they have ways of making money and one of those ways of making money is character slots okay so you actually get two free characters and the rest you need to buy so <laughs> make sure you create the good one right off the start so right now i'm a half elf uh thief uh, excuse me, trickster rogue. Um, trickster rogue. Yes. I like the sound of it. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's pretty cool. I'm enjoying it. Uh, standard leveling questing, just the same as every other MMORPG that you have. Um, as I said, I'm still a noob, so I'm still not 100% clear on the talent trees and skill points. Mm-hmm. The way they're working out, but I figure that'll that'll come once I get to the end of the game. <laughs> once I move more into it, um, every few levels you do get to adjust your base stats, so your dexterity, your constitution, etc. You get to increase those numbers. Okay, so as you level up. Yeah, it's not okay. every level. It's I think I'm I've done it twice now. So okay. it must be like every ten levels or something. I haven't really played paid that close attention to it. Um, it doesn't happen very often. Um, one thing you do get to do when you do create your character, it's very, um, I almost said tweakable, but I don't think that's a word. You get to change. We'll make it a just, word. Effective you get to change right just about anything. You get to change anything from your stats to your looks, uh, your scars, the color of whatever you want. It doesn't matter. The shape of your nose to the height of your eyebrows. Um, you can even write up a history for your character, which I thought was very oh, yeah. cool. You have your which... own backstory, which is then <laughs> on your character sheet. And that's very um, uh, Forgotten Realms. I mean, that's yeah. very, that's one of the things about, you know, yeah, especially it, the old school. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, uh, talking about extras in the game with the Zen is that's their currency that you purchase and you purchase those at a rate of a dollar per hundred US. Okay. So um then you use your Zen, you can use it in game or outside a game to purchase other things. So you have your store available to you and whatnot. Now can you and earn them you... without spending real money? Yes. 
<laughs> um, okay, you're going to get to that later. No, there's a caveat with it. You, I don't know that you can earn them in game. I haven't seen a way to earn them in game yet. Okay. Um, you can earn them outside of game by doing the thing like surveys. We'll get okay, you, so like, you know, a lot of a lot of if you're doing what they ask you to do, jumping through their hoops, they'll reward you with a couple of zen here, a couple of zen there, here yeah, a zen, there a zen. And it's it's. I mean, it's one of those, it's caveat, right? Unless you do it exactly the way that you, they want you to do it and provide your credit card information there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's one of those iffy, yeah. it might be legitimate, but. But it's opening itself up to a lot of people who are not. Yeah. Or it feels so like it could be anyways. It feels like it could be, yeah. Okay. And if you do it wrong, you may be pooched for a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there is ways of getting it without actually paying the money but now the extras that you purchase through the store are not necessary to the game they're they're flare items so cosmetics mounts okay. companions um lockbox keys you tend to find a lot of lockboxes i have a bank already i think i've got 10 in my bank and i can't open a single one because of course i haven't purchased the thing <laughs> by the keys um and seeing the the transfer rates, I'm not sure I'm going to bother because you can buy these things in game from other players who have purchased them. Okay. So, say for example, you go in and you buy 15 keys, you can then post it up on the auction house for astral diamonds, which is which are the in-game currency, one of the forms of currency in the game, okay. which you can earn by questing and all that other stuff. Okay. Running dungeons, etc. So you could purchase it that way. Um, so it is possible to get these things in game, just not the straightforward way. It'd be a little bit more roundabout. Um, as you level, you are given a companion, and you can get a companion do to do whatever you want. You can have him tank. You can have him run along right beside you, DPS. You can have a healer. I have a healer. Mm -hmm. um, I think you get that around level ten or fifteen. And uh, up to that point, I hadn't died. And I'm even farther away from death now because I have a healer following me around. Like, I don't, I've never even used my heal potions having her around because it, it just, I just don't take damage. She's constantly there healing me up. So I have no idea how death is handled in this game. <laughs> you could lose Not... all of your stuff and all of your gear. <laughs> and I would have no idea because it just it isn't happening. Um, so I may have to try harder. I don't know. But anyway, they're kind of cool. You send them off to train every so many levels. You know, they grow with inexperience as you do, and you can sock their their gear and their, um, not their gear, excuse me, their abilities. You can sock them with special gems and all that fun stuff. Um, there, of course, are professions, which you can level outside of the game as well as inside the game, um, which is quite handy. You could set up set it up and go and forget about it for six hours and come back and get all your loot outside of the game. Ah, see, now I like that. Yeah, There's another game that has that. Yeah, it's similar to Eve, right? Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, the only issue I have with the professions is that some of the tasks, that, and you level your professions by doing tasks, and they uh, vary in time length. Um the only issue I have is some of those tasks actually give you player XP. Okay. So you can actually level, theoretically, just by leveling your professions. That's 
Interesting. Which is interesting. I'm not a fan of that because then I come up against the dragon that kills me in three shots because I don't know what I'm doing because I'm still a noob. I'm still playing at level five and I'm sitting here at level 20, a la Skyrim. Thank you very much. Yay. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm just not a fan of leveling through professions. I'd rather learn what I'm doing in my character through leveling and get the appropriate gear level, etc., Doing that. So you think that the leveling should be limited to gameplay rather than just grinding? Yeah, instead of through the professions. So that's kind of a downer, but it's still pretty cool how you do, how it's handled. Um, and it's not for every task. It's just it's some of the tasks. And the hot, the harder the task, there, there's sometimes rare tasks that pop up and, that you are able to be done. And those are generally the ones that give you bonus experience and whatnot. Um, there are bonus bonuses in the game so you could actually spend your time online um, following a little bit of a schedule that they have set up so they'll have an hour of bonus to any pvp run that you do um you know what i lied i have died in this game i tried pvp liar yeah i've You're died liar. in pvp oh that doesn't count by some guy <laughs> with his pocket healer named Varian Rin. Yes. So, you know. Well, we all know who that is. He's a bad guy. The Alliance hounds me even in this game. <laughs> anyway, can't escape. Can't escape them. They're everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, so, going back, what was I talking about? Oh, yes, bonus. Bonus time. <laughs> so, they have them for, they'll have an hour of PvP time. So, any battlegrounds that you do during this time will grant you bonus, um, pvp currency and bonus experience that way um they'll have an hour for dungeon experience so if you happen to run a random dungeon in that hour you'll get bonus to your experience and an extra chest at the end um then they have the foundry hour where if you do a foundry quest uh you'll get an extra whatever loot or experience or whatever so what you is- can actually schedule your playtime according to the various bonuses that they have going. You can see the queue coming up and scrolling through um, as you play. What's Foundry? Um, Foundry, I will get to... Actually, I'll just talk about it right now. Foundry is probably (laughs) the coolest thing in this game. All right, here we go. Uh, You already know what I'm going to talk about here. I do Uh, now, yeah, but you you were making references to something, and and I don't know that our our listeners were aware of what you were talking about. Remembering that this is a Dungeons & Dragons game, uh-huh. Foundry is where the players are dungeon masters. There you are. So you can actually go in as a player and create a quest line, a scenario, uh, whatever story you want to put in there, and create the quest. And you create the creatures that you're encountering. You're going to, the whole storyline, the final boss, what happens, all that fun stuff. You, you are the DM for that particular scenario write it all up and they have it all set up on their website where you can go in and, and set this all up and then the game will adjust the uh, the mobs, the loot, the experience, all that stuff for the player running the, the campaign. So as a player, you would go in, other players would create their foundry quests. You can look through as a player the various options of the foundry quests Choose one that sounds interesting, go and run it, you get your loot, you get your uh, experience, you follow some sometimes really great stories, other times <laughs> not so much. Um, and then at the end of this quest, you get to rate the scenario. 
and the better the rating for the scenario, the ones with the higher ratings are going to be the ones that are highlighted up in the in the, the top of the list. top of the options list. Yeah, okay. so it it really is really awesome. You could spend your whole game time sitting in town and just running foundry quests and some of them are fantastic because you could tell the players that have DM'd before and you could tell those who are just trying this out for the first time. <laughs> I haven't done it myself because I, I'm one of those players that would do it for the first time, but some of the stories are just excellent and others, you know, you, you, they're hit or miss and it's <laughs> probably the absolute most fun thing in this game is to do these and see where the players are coming from. Um, You'll have things, one in particular I'm thinking of, um, you end up going through, you're tracking down, you're sent out to track some missing scouts, and you find them, and you determine on your own that it's probably a good idea to find out what happened to them, because they're right at the start of your scenario, they're dead. So you end up going through this cave, and one thing leads to another and finally you meet this boss who takes control of your mind and then you're zapped into your own mind and you have to fight all these different aspects of yourself and it's it was awesome it was such a wonderful story and it's in beating the things in your mind that you actually beat the boss and it was wonderful um there's another one that i ran that was not so wonderful where you pretty much just fought hordes of these orc things and every once in a while, you'd see a sparkly chair, and the text on the chair would be, you see this chair of dwarven make. It seems out of place. And that would be it. And so now you have to run to the next portion where you fight off hordes of orcs, and there's a piece of paper. And this piece of paper is a shopping list. You know, like, it, some of them are just not... So it was a, a good effort on somebody's yeah, part, but it was very, very... Not uh, really, uh, you know... Not polished. Yeah, so it's hit or miss. <laughs> But it's definitely worth trying out. It was so much fun. And uh, the, I'm sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to move on to controls. Yep, yep. They're fairly intuitive. Um, it's WASD controls, uh, steering with your mouse. Okay. The only issue is that if you don't run that way, if you're a mouse, if you move with your mouse and you don't steer or strafe with your keyboard, you're going to have issues with the game because there's no way of adjusting that you're constantly steering with your mouse. To stop steering with your mouse, you have to hit the Alt key. That takes you out of steer mode so you can actually check your bags and quest log and map and all that other stuff. But you're not going anywhere. So, you so there's, always there's no active cursor. You're either or. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Which is a little bit of an issue. Interfacing is done with the keyboard as well. Okay. So, And I'm not seeing... There may be UI mods out but i haven't obviously looked for them because i'm still a noob i still would like to see the game as <laughs> is um, so the number of special abilities i have and interface option interface options are still limited um i think you get like a maximum of six spells or six abilities that you can really do which is a little bit limiting but i mean like I said, there might be UI options out there. You can adjust the UI so that it looks however you want it to look, but there's no So extras. it's a, like a positional adjustment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So okay. so that's what I think about the game. It's pretty awesome. I'm liking it. I think everybody should try it. It's free. Why not? Right? And free. I mean, come on. How many things and, can you get that are really good that are free? 
realistically, the game was only released on June 30th or June 20th, something like that this year. It's still a new game. You may as well get in on the ground floor. Go now. Go, go now. Go now. Go to it. Yeah. Go to it. Yeah. So, otherwise, it runs just just like every other RPG. It's it's but it's the foundry. That's my f absolute favorite part of this game. So I could sit there all day and just play foundry quests. You should try it. You know, I I I have heard that now a couple of times, and I, as you know, am a big fan of D and D. And have been a D and D fan since the seventies. That's right, listeners. The seventies, uh, the very late seventies, the last part of the seventies. But nevertheless, uh, and I have been disappointed so many times in the past by games that have promised to deliver a D and D feel, a D and D format, a D and D game with a computer control. And the minute you introduce a computer to the D and D game, it's not D and D. That's it. That's all. That's that's the end. It's a game, and it may be a, a Forgotten Realms game. We could call it that. We could call it a, a Dungeons game and a Dragons game. But you know, to give it that that title of D and D, that elevates it to something higher. And so I, I'm very reluctant. You know, it's it's uh, difficult for me to commit to a game that offers directly that says, "Ha ha, we are Dungeons and Dragons." Ha ha. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I played the Dungeons and Dragons online game when it was free, and yeah, I wanted my money back. Uh, so, yeah, but I've heard lots of good things about this, and the, the part that interests me the most is the option to make your own quests, because yeah. I think that while the rest of the the game, you're you're playing it the way somebody else sees it, the minute I have the option to make my own quests... Now I can let you see the game world the way I see it. Yeah, it's it's pretty. And cool. uh, so now a, a question here. I'm doing a little bit of side research while you're going here. And um, Star Trek Online is the same. Yes. It's the same outfit. Yes. Okay. As I said at the beginning. Have we not reviewed Star Trek Online? Yes, we have. We did. We did a Star Trek Online and a Star Wars. Yes. The Star Tor. Trek versus Star That's right. That's yeah. right. So this is. So you were saying the Zen, which is the out of game currency, which is used to buy extras. Uh, extras in game. Yeah. Okay. And they're yeah. translatable. The I can buy this. For... I can buy the Zen, which is then account bound, and then I can use those account coins in a game. In any of their games. In any yeah. of their games. Okay. Yeah. Star Trek Online. Yeah. Champions. Not all the games may so. have the same transfer rate, but. The Zen is the Zen is, is the in there, currency. so whatever it yeah. whatever it's there, it's there for. So yeah. Okay. All right. So on a one to ten, what would you rate this game? Uh, I'd say probably an eight. It's pretty cool. The professions thing is a bit of a big thing for me because it, it just is. Because you're used to other games where your your professions are what no, it you're just doing doesn't make sense to me. Why why should I get experience for knowing how to tan a hide? Because that's a D and D thing. 
Okay. That I mean the D and D format. It doesn't format, affect my combat at all. It doesn't affect. But it affects the quality your of my overall roguedness. character ability. But see, that's where the D and D comes in. Yeah. If you're a rogue, then everything you do is done from the perspective of a rogue. How can I better be a rogue? If I learn how to tan this leather, how does that make me a better rogue? Well, I understand how leather gear and leather equipment and leather material is made and crafted, and therefore I'm going to be able to slit the bottom of that purse a little bit easier. I'm going to be able to stick my dagger into the crevasse a little bit uh, straighter. I'm going to be able to make armor that is going to be able to protect me better and be um, uh, better at providing me that extra edge and stealth. And I mean, that's part of the game mechanic. That's part of the, the player part of the game. I'm learning these things and it's contributing to my overall experience there is and this is i think where we're where gaming has sort of gotten a little bit splayed we have our magical experience points and we have our warriors experience points and we have our you know our crafting experience no no no. i me hemotep sitting right here everything that i learn goes into the same experience pool there's no separate pools i have my job and i have my my hobbies and i have my things that i do on the side and there's things that i'm good at and things that i'm not good at and I can get better at one of those things without depreciating any of my other abilities. But in getting better at that, if I want to learn how to make a souffle, once I master making a souffle, that does make me as an as a whole being better person. It it's might not be, gonna help you kill a dragon. But that's not the point. It does make me a better person. And if I'm a better person, I've increased myself, which is a, a measure of my own self-worth and my own self-image is improving. My problem so my is... My confidence level. But you're talking about a numerical qualifier, a, a numerical yeah. quantification that is supposed to be applied to a specific area. And that's the whole problem with computer-generated gaming. It always comes back down to the numbers. And when you're talking about a game like Dungeons & Dragons, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons... Forgotten Realms, it's more than that. The player animates the character. The problem with the computer game is that the character motivates the player, and it's not the same thing. So, you know, doing the, the, the stuff on the side, and I played Dungeons & Dragons of one variation or another for 30 years, and I can tell you that I probably spent less than 10 hours in all of that time working on my secondary skills. But every single character I made, I knew that character's secondary skill. And as the game evolved and the, the live tabletop paper and pencil version of the game evolved and those skills took a bigger and bigger portion of the game, that was a reflection of the computer game because the computer can track all those numbers instantly. Yeah. Where a DM with five players or six players, I can't keep track of how many times you successfully crafted Based on that, a leather though, it apron. Affect, it shouldn't affect your gameplay, though, is what I'm saying. But how does it? What, what I'm saying is there is no way on the table. You want to be better at something, there's a reason you want to be better at that, whatever that thing is. Yeah. That's so I what I'm saying. Boost my leather working skills so that I can create gear that So I can create gear or gear I can create equipment character. or I can better understand how to get into somebody else's gear or you know, it's whatever motivates the player. And it's entirely up to the player to justify doing that. And at the end of the day, at the, on the tabletop, you say to the DM maybe at the end of the session, Oh, that was a great session, I had a lot of fun. Oh, I really enjoyed that little encounter. By the way, 
between now and the next time we play, my character is going to be working on his leatherworking skill. And then your DM, if he's half a decent DM, will make a note in his little book and say, yep, okay, so when we get back together at the next session, this is what you'll get. And and that's it. That's, what, that's your entire time spent on that. But the computer system... Because it's an interactive environment where everybody's moving at a slightly different pace and a slightly different speed and a slightly different time zone even, the way that we provide filler in order to get everybody to sync up to do the same thing at the same time is we have to give them something to do. In a tabletop game, the DM just says, hey, guess what? It's 6 a.m. Let's all go. End of story, right? Because everybody is already present at that moment. We I guess can, my issue is coming from, I, I, and I mentioned Skyrim, and that's the biggest culprit. one that comes to my head right now, where I can sit there and I can shoe as many horses as I want, and then all of a sudden, a dragon that is 15 levels of where, above where I think I should be, because I don't have the gear and I don't have the gaming experience comes down and chomps my face because I've been busy shoeing horses. But that's the level that I'm at at the game. That's the actual level but that I'm at, so I'm not no, 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 there. No, 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 no. Your character level is your character level. End of story. Mm-hmm. However yes. you get to that character's level. If you, the player, are doing things that get your character to a higher level before you, the player, are ready, that's the fault of the player, not the game. That's it. I, I stand by that one. All right. I hate games... How many times have you started a new character in a game and you're, I know you enjoy the lore and you enjoy looking at the scenery and everything else. I friggin' hate leveling. I want to get through this crap as quickly as possible. So the more things that are available to me to accelerate that process without having to buy a cheat or gold, I'm all for it. And that's the end of that. That, I guess, maybe that comes back to being a DM. If I have a character and and I have a new player who's joining my group and my group is all playing at level 5 or level 6, that's in D&D gaming, that's 10 or 12 hours of gaming right there to get to level mm-hmm. 5 or 6, mm-hmm. right? And I got a new player. I don't want him to have to tag along. He's too low at level 1 to be a part of the group. Even if he was... I could write him into the story I can well, the term we use now is retcon I could retcon him into the story so he would make sense to be there but he's still only a level 1 character but you know what I have the magic of blue ink and blue ink says he's now level 5 bing that's it it's done there's no wait time there's no grinding I don't have to pick flowers and, and mill <laughs> seeds and whatever I don't have to mix anything into a bowl and have poof smoke and then I gotta run out and find some guy in the bottom of a dungeon who's gonna give me one level I gotta run all the way back out to another part of another map it's ridiculous it's so useless it works for single player games because it gives you something to do while you're waiting to do the important things it it works in multiplayer games because it gives you something to do while you're waiting for everybody else to get together to do the important things when you're playing a game that like yourself you like to do those little side things for their own sake because mm-hmm. so, I'm a completionist. Because you're a completionist. We've yeah. talked about that to <laughs> death. And that's a great way to enjoy the games. But at the end of the day, if you're if you're not following the story, if you're not going where they tell you to go, you're not going to be in the zone that you're supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing things, I mean, okay, so you go out and you shoe a horse and you get some experience points. You say, hey, that's kind of cool. And then because we're all like this, we do it again to get a little bit more experience points. <laughs> The point of that feature, in my opinion, is so that when I'm following the quests and doing the things I'm supposed to be doing at my appropriate level and I'm getting my ass kicked, 
I can go down, shoe a few horses, ding that next level, get that next ability that I've been waiting on, go up there and defeat the bad guys. Mm-hmm. There, it, it, can you sit down in the start zone and level yourself up to a, a crazy level? And you know, like the the joke, you kill a million boars and now you're your max level. Yeah, is that a feature of the game? Sure. Is it an exploit? Possibly. Is it bad? Well, if you're not a player who can play at the top level of the game, then why are you doing it in the first place? Why am I doing the like, professions? Why would you do the profession over and over and over for the sake of getting levels or for the sake of doing the profession? And if you're doing it for the profession, for the sake of having created all these items because you can as a completionist or whatever, then you need to follow very clear- carefully where the story tells you to go. If the story says, go up to Whiterun and talk to the Jarl up there, and you say, okay, which way is that? And they point east, and you say, well, I'm going to go west. And off you <laughs> go, and you run into a dragon. That's the game telling you, you're going the wrong way. I've never done that. No, no. Shakti the Fire Mage does not go the no, wrong way. Yes, no. Yes, exactly. What's so, on that mountain? There's something <laughs> shiny hey, there. sparklies, I have to have it. And this purple <laughs> flower, I want it. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Okay, let's that, move on because this is getting a little long, <laughs> in the, long here. We'll so, move on. Okay. That's anyway, go try okay. Neverwinter. It's super fun. Uh, I think I'm shocked you on Neverwinter because you can add friends on any I thought you server. were. I thought you were Vabjork on oh, Neverwinter. That's my character's name. Yeah. Oh, you're... I think my person, I think my ID handle is Shakti, I think. I don't know. I'll have to look. I'll have to look it up when I when I start playing the game. It's at Shakti. Try it. If I answer, you found me. You found me. Yeah. So try Neverwinter. It's loads of fun. Oculus Rift. Oculus Rift. Is there a cooler technological device in the universe right now? Tell us what Oculus Rift is. If there is, then I don't know. Because it is is. pretty pretty new and Oculus Rift. Oculus Rift is uh, it's a currently it's still in development, but it is currently a head mounted virtual reality display device um it is uh it's going to be used on primarily the pc but i i understand from some friends of mine that uh uh the playstation 4 and microsoft the or the xbox one and the playstation 4 are both going to pick up and support this one uh i i personally think that if if it's a gaming industry uh, item, this is the kind of item that is going to be a game changer. Um, wow, you're gonna you wear it on your head. It, it, it wears like a uh, scuba goggles. Actually, it's really kind of what <laughs> it looks like. It kind of looks like scuba goggles. You put it on your head, and it has uh, two cameras. Now, we've seen this kind of technology before. There have been uh, VR headsets and VR goggles and VR glasses have been floating around now for probably the better part of 15 years. Most of them. Just don't get it. This one gets it. It it uh, has motion uh, sensing capability built in, so it senses when you're moving your head left and right and up and down. It uh, pitch, yaw, and tilt. It measures pitch, yaw, and tilt. One of the drawbacks currently that it does not currently support is if you move your whole body without shifting your head, it doesn't it doesn't sense the motion in that yet apparently and so that actually is where most of the people are finding uh, that they're getting motion sick 
in this wearing this headset it's because they're shifting forward in their chairs or they're leaning forward in their chairs and the game doesn't translate that motion and your body goes whoa 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 um the game has been under development now since uh, i think about two th- uh, the game sorry it's not a game it's a hardware device. It's a hardware device that is being picked up by game developers and by software developers to be integrated into the games. There have already been, uh, I think it's like 30 or 40 games have already been brought on on board uh, for this uh, to make it compatible. Um, uh, uh, Half-Life 2 is in there. There's a, a slew of indie games that are that are supported. Minecraft is apparently supported through a third uh, third-party developers. Um, there are some other games that have been out uh, uh, that are uh, I don't want to say eventually, but that are currently in development. It's a it's an in development thing. It's a huge thing. Uh, when they were doing crowdfunding, they raised $16 million through crowdfunding, uh, primarily through uh, Kickstarter. And uh, you were that's able... That's a ton. That's a ton of money. And, and and they're looking at getting more. Like, they're not done. Like, this is... They, they've, they've got... Um, they've, they've raised, according to the, to the website that I'm looking at right now, they've raised $16 million. $2.4 million was raised with crowdfunding via Kickstarter. Uh, it's wow. ID Software co-founder John Carmack uh, is in there as the chief technology officer. The company, excuse me, He's which is from called Quake, uh, right? ID Software. Yeah, Quake and, yeah. and some titles from Quake. I don't know right off the top of my head. It's it's Quake, Quake Two, Quake Three, Quake Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, Palmer Lucky and the co-founders of Scaleform. Uh, got together and said, "We need this head-mounted display. Uh, it's it, it's it's lighter than a lot of the other ones that have been out there. It's uh, customizable. You can wear it over a pair of prescription glasses. It's not a big um, uh, strain on the neck. Some people have reported wearing it for three, three and a half, four hours without any problems at all regarding the the physicality of wearing it." None of the other products that are out there like that have that kind of a track record. Uh, I've worn some uh, 3D glasses that are used with 3D televisions and 3D uh, DVD uh, Blu-rays, and I get a headache from them after about 35 minutes just because of the way they sit on my face. Uh, I don't have any problems with the device providing 3D imagery, just the way that they sit on my head. This thing has uh, padding and cushion, and it's got the uh, flat um, <clears throat> elastic band style uh, to hold it onto your head. And it's, uh, like I said, most of what I've seen on it, I've seen through other sources, because I don't, I don't have one. I would really love to have one. So anybody out there listening, if you want to give me a gift of an Oculus Rift, <laughs> I <laughs> would be grateful, and I will review whatever game you want to go along with it. They are, um, right now you can get a developer's kit, which includes an Oculus Rift and beta and some of the software and the SDK that goes along with it for, I think it's like around 275 or 300 bucks. Um, and you can have it sent out. Um, they were selling out of those. They were allowing people to pre-order. And for the first three or four days, they were selling them at like four and five uh, per minute on the first day. These things That's went... Crazy. 
pow, they were sold out. And that's at $300 a pop. So yeah. there's a huge community of people out there who are just waiting to get them. Um, as of yesterday, uh, Oculus, Oculus um, VR is the name of the company. They're still accepting develop, uh, dev kits, developer kits, pre-orders on the website. So you can still go in and you can get the development kit, which 300 bucks, it comes with a couple of... Uh, uh, preview games that are loaded with the dev kit so you can actually use the game and see it. There are all kinds of forums and uh, uh, downloads available across the internet right now from independent groups that are adapting this device to games that already exist. There is a huge amount of uh, game development being done specific for this device. Um, There's a holodeck project being used with it. Shakti was telling me about this earlier today. Shakti? Yeah, it was pretty cool. It, it's actually, oddly enough, called Project Holodeck, and uh, that's the name of the website as well, projectholodeck.com. They're using the Oculus as well as PlayStation Move and the Razer something or other, other <laughs> the Hydra. Razer, Razer Hydra. Yeah, and they're doing Move. a full body suit with these technologies to create a holodeck-like experience. And the Unity 3D engine. Cool. The game engine they're using is Unity 3D. All right. So it's pretty awesome. It seems pretty neat. Right now, it's pretty cumbersome looking because obviously you've got all these different technologies strapped to your arms and your back and your head and whatnot, but it's supposed to simulate a, uh, a holodeck feel, which is pretty cool. We just need that technology on the walls surrounding us now <laughs> instead of on our backs. Well, <laughs> uh, there's a... Actually, and we'll have this on our Facebook site. There's a, a link to the Project Holodeck website. And there's a picture on that website where they actually are showing two guys wearing an outfit in a big room that just has a steel girder framework on the outside with what looks to be just in the image I'm looking at about uh, a dozen cameras pointed in towards the center of the room. The cameras are doing a feedback loop, so when they move, the cameras see them move and translates the movement that they're doing back into the software, which then renders that software so that they're seeing this feedback as they go. I think it's a fantastic concept. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm very excited about this idea. Um, just looking at, at... Now, have you have you had a chance to look at their, at their website and, and see what they are... Uh, a VR play space. So this is going to probably be marketed something along the lines of like a laser tag or yeah, or uh, something to that effect, right? Yeah, yeah, um, probably. It's going to be a play space provided by the PlayStation Eye camera. The PlayStation Move system is used to provide head tracking data that can be fed into the Oculus Rift. And then the uh, Razer Hydra, which is... Uh, six-axis tracking with the buttons for hand control. So they simulate where your hands are in front of you. And they have the... It's basically take a, a standard uh, game pad and break it into two pieces and put one piece in each hand. And then it has the ability to track motion as well. Yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. And then the software, the Unity 3D software. So uh, as far as a project is concerned, uh, I think this is exciting. This is really kind of cool. Um it's, it'd be it's, awesome. It'd be awesome just to have it in your standard games. Like I'm just thinking. Well, this is know. a full room. This is. Yeah. I mean, this isn't. You're not going to have to this be in able your to turn your head and actually see someone next to you, or you know, to have that full perception. To be immersed. 
yeah. in your world. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, so when we do the beam me down, beam me up, Scotty, of Star Trek Online, we're going to actually go through little lights and then boop, we're going to be standing in a room and then you're going to be able to see a door. You move forwards to the door, you open the door and now you're in a hallway and you're going to go down the mm -hmm. hallway. Uh, the game will be able to simulate by keeping you in the space by just putting in walls and corners and stuff. You'll never leave the, the area that you're in, but you'll have full free motion. You're not tethered to anything. Uh, currently, the level of development that the uh, equipment has, it looks a little cumbersome and a little heavy, but realistically, I imagine uh, it's not really much heavier than um, a regular you know, uh, uh, I was going to say like a high school backpack or something like that. It doesn't even look to be quite as heavy as that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like there are going to be other uses for something like this as well that, you know, we could uh, explore areas that we previously haven't been able to get to. I could explore, you know, uh, the Grand Canyon from uh, West Edmonton Mall or... You know what I mean? Like you'd be able to experience uh, different environments. You'd be able to see what it would be look, what it would be like to stand on the moon and look around the moon, the and lunar have a landscape. Whole vacation and just with with their glasses and whatnot. Yeah, I don't. Awesome. I think we're still a ways off from that level no, of Star you Trek. You Star like, Trek freak. Just, <laughs> I'm just. I'm just. There's so many possibilities with this. You know. I think that yes, and I, what I think is great is that. Even though we don't know exactly what we're doing, we're trying to do something. We're taking yeah. these disparate things. Uh, we think about the, the, the Microsoft Connect system and how much that technology has impacted just in the last three or four years. We've, we've seen a tremendous amount of stuff that's come out now and, and people taking it and using it in ways that others never really imagined. Uh, when I first looked at the PlayStation Move and the, uh, and the Microsoft uh, 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 Connect, Connect. I never thought of a of a of strapping it to my back and strapping it to a helmet on my head and pretending that I'm in a holodeck or <laughs> creating that sort of virtual world with a feedback that uh, was just not something that I had ever thought of doing or or considered doing. But with computer technology advancing as rapidly as it is and the computational capabilities of computers advancing at such a rapid pace, this technology, while still in its infancy, we are going to be able to go so much farther uh, with this once we unlock a better and more efficient power transfer. Uh, wireless power really is what we're waiting on. That's the next big breakthrough that we're going to need. And once we do that, that's going to make batteries go bye-bye. There will be no need for batteries. A lot of these things that we're using right now, I mean, uh, integrated circuits weigh nothing. So when you look at some of these handheld devices that weigh like a pound or a pound and a half, they weigh a pound or a pound and a half because of the batteries that are jammed in and make them work right. <laughs> you have broadcast power, wireless power that broadcasts from inside your house or inside the, the gaming environment where you're at. It only weighs the weight of the components and then the small little receiver. So we're, we're talking a, a weight reduction of maybe as much as 70% for some of this technology right now. Yeah. Um, so suddenly this is a very, very plausible thing. Uh, I can remember when laser tag first came out and was first available and it was the rage. This was real. You get to shoot people. You can see them and shoot them. And you know, there was lighting and your vest would react to them shooting you and their, this takes that to the next level because now we can do quake for real. <laughs> we can do, we can do doom and 3d castle Wolfenstein uh, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with this or how, how this is going to 
evolve. But the fact that they're out there and they're trying to do this, um, like I said, I think the initial things we're going to get are are going to be mostly observational. You're going to be able to stand in a, in a neutral space and then they're going to say, look, this is what it would be like to walk in downtown Venice or uh, uh, this is downtown San Francisco. This is going to be downtown uh, Tokyo. Uh, I think that we're going to evolve out of that into sort of um, maybe a Dungeons and Dragons kind of an environment where you get to stand there and you're going to have a sword in your hand and you're going to feel that sword because it's going to be a prop that's part of the, the game invention. And all right, in my left arm, I'm going to strap on a little shield and it's going to be able to do that. Then the game will bring in imaginary things that you'll interact with and you know the shield can have a little weight thumping device in it so when it takes a blow it thumps against your forearm so you'll feel the blow and you, it, all these little things that we try to do to trick our can brains. Can you imagine if they brought it into the movies and whatnot? I mean consider how many 3D movies there are now. If they brought this in just to go see some your next superhero movie <laughs> you know what I mean and you're just the guy on the street watching everything happen and to be able to look up and around and you know it can you imagine once again i i don't see this that way this is this technology that's not what this is for this is the technology where you're gonna but it's it couldn't be (laughs) it couldn't be there's no way that it could this is wait and see how are you going to fit 300 people into a room and then let them walk around with with blindfolds you wouldn't, on you wouldn't be able to walk them around they'd so have then to wear the headset they wear the headset in a great way, big room and yeah. no one is going to convert this until we have this kind of technology in our basements in everybody's yeah. basement yeah. you're not going to have movies integrated into this technology oh, i think it would be awesome it would be awesome of course <laughs> it would be awesome but we're at the beginning of it yeah, yeah. right we might be able to have, like I say, there was uh, uh, be about uh, 16, 17 years ago now at the Palladium, uh, Mississauga Square One. They had a, uh, the Palladium is a great big uh, arcade uh, playground area. It had climbing walls and video games and pool tables and a canteen. And there was an outdoor um, gas-powered go-kart track and the whole nine yards. And one of the big attractions they had in that time was big VR goggles that you put on and they created this little Tron-like terrain and they handed you a big rifle that you put in your hands that was also wired into the same computer and you got to stand in a little circle and look around with your little weapon and you got to shoot targets and things were moving around. It was very, very primitive but at the time, it was very cutting edge. They're taking that that little one meter circle and they've pushed that away so now you're in the center of a room that's maybe eight meters across square you're still tethered because you can't go past that. You're only getting feedback from the cameras that are totally ringing the room that you're in so that they measure your movement. There is two parts to this process still, and it's that two-part process. If you're in a movie, how is the the person who's directing that movie know what you're going to do next? So there's no way that they could possibly make a movie that you could interact with. It, that's we right. when we have computers that can create actual three-dimensional holodecks because we have teleporters or transporters or whatever you want to call them now we can integrate ourselves into the movies but for the I'm time being i'm just excited being, i want to get there we're <laughs> almost at star trek we're 2350, almost there 2350 it's yeah. only 350 years away first uh, contact we'll we'll live to see it i hope yeah 20 was it 2047 first contact was 2047 it's i think it's like another 50 years away something year. like that 50 years, yeah, it's 50, 50 years, years from, from now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, it's like March. 
I'm I'm excited for what it is right now. And like yeah. I said, this is a great tool for. All right, we want to uh, think about this. Okay, a large architectural firm. So they have 15 or 20 architects working for them and clients who want to see. All right, design me this house. I can take you down to the to the the holodeck room. We can walk in and I can walk you through your house. I can show you your house. This is what it's going to be like to stand in the kitchen. There's the doorway to the living room. We're going to walk through that doorway. We've had 3D software that you could create your your world uh, correction. You could create your uh, house in 3D as, a, as an AutoCAD program, and then you could do a fly-through through the room to sort of see it. But the holodeck thing, that's putting you right into it. That's not just giving you a scale concept on a 2D screen. You're right there. You look over your left shoulder. Hey, there's the other... That's I'm three strides away from that wall and 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 uh, oh look the door's too <clears throat> short oh, look, the I'm door. banging my head <laughs> or you know what I thought that on paper this room was going to be bigger than this think about the next stage once we make this so that we can create a static world and then interact with it next step is to put gloves on that I can then pinch my fingers together and the way I pinch my phone and shrink the screen or widen the screen I can grab the the room that I'm in pull my hands apart and the room gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Or I can squeeze my hands together and the room gets smaller. Now I'm actually creating in 3D the building that I'm going to live in. So when you want to talk about creating your dream home, my dream home has a holodeck and a movie theater. <laughs> and I'm going to have both, one and one probably back-to-back to each other. Well, it's a very exciting technology. It is and a very exciting technology. it's one that we definitely need to keep an eye out on. And we're going so. to put the link uh, on the website to uh, to the Oculus Rift and to the Holodeck. Yep. And um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. And Is everything there... else that and, we talked and about And all today. the other stuff. That, well, I I don't know that there's a link to uh, Sleeping Dogs, but uh, I'm sure that if you're a oh, Steam I'm, user, you can link it uh, through we'll Steam. And if not, go to Steam. It's free to download. And uh, Steam client, you can download the Steam client. The <laughs> Steam is free to download. Steam not the is game. free. Yeah. Not the game. It's free to get a membership to Steam, and then you can go in there and browse, and you don't have to buy anything. There's lots of freebies in there as well, but you can go there and and read it and look up on it. You can also just do a quick Google search, and uh, and you can find it that way. So yeah, I'll probably just link it in the show notes anyway. So with that, how about we close out the episode? Alrighty then. So episode seventeen, yay. We're doing well. If you have any comments <laughs> or questions, anything you want to mention to us, contact us. We'd love to hear Feedback from you. Feedback on the new sound system. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our blog site is rollingforloot.blogspot.com, and that's where you can find all of our show notes and download direct our, our podcasts and whatnot, which you probably have already figured out since I'd you're imagine. listening to us right now. Since this is number 17. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as Rolling for Loot, and of course on Twitter as Rolling for Loot. Thanks for listening. I'm Himotep. And I'm Shakti. See you you next next time. time.